0: Thank you ever so much. Thanks for the welcome, Denise. I've just been sort of ambling around the foyer out there, and for, I don't know, the umpteenth time today, someone's come over and said, listen, Craig, I'm really sorry. I was planning to come to your session, but I've decided to go elsewhere, basically. you know, Someone said, I'm off to see the big guns. So before I grabbed them and dragged them down the fire escape to explain what they meant in a little bit more detail, they quantified it by saying, the reason I'm not coming to your session is because you're going to put it online afterwards, probably in great detail. Therefore, I'll just view it there. <laughs> so I'm not putting it online afterwards. Just to put the fingers, of, of course I'll be putting it online afterwards. In fact, there will be a lot online, not just the presentation, but all the tools and links and research and blah, 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 blah that I've referenced today or that I've used as research for today will be going online afterwards. So I suppose I'm the same from that is if you don't, you know, if you want to take notes, then by all means do, but there will be the ability to take one note at the end, one URL that will actually take you to everything I'm talking about today. So I'm hoping that that might allow you to look up and look forward. Having said that, if you are contributing to the back channel, which we've got a back channel um, visible tweet screen over here, please, please, please feel free to contribute to the back channel, because a part of this session is about the back channel. So, um... It would be nice if when we actually look at it, it's not just stagnant and dead with some tumbleweed floating through it. So the title of the session is Getting Beyond Bullet Points. I would be surprised, but I'm prepared to be embarrassed, if anybody hadn't grasped the move that there is at the moment, a move that there has been for some considerable time, away from using bullet points in PowerPoint presentations. There's a big, big movement towards moving away from them. Something I latched onto two or three years ago Um, But I think that the key question, and so many people have asked me this within my organisation, okay Craig, we get away from using bullet points, great, To, to using what? What else is there? What should we be doing differently? How can we do it differently? And that's the purpose of this session today. There will be no bullet points within it. I'm not against bullet points, don't get me wrong. There is a time and a place for them. If you want to put up a mnemonic or an acronym on a screen, boy, bullet points lend themselves to that very, very, very well. But you won't. I don't think you'll see any. I'm sure you won't see any in here this afternoon. So without further ado, let's get beyond these bullet points. There was there was no reason for that to go in there. I just liked. I just wanted to put it in. Hot chocolate. Anyone remember the band Hot Chocolate? Famous song from Hot Chocolate. Oh, thank you very much. Uh, and. <laughs> Very much. I'm I'm on microphones. I've got to be very careful what I say. Another song. Okay. Okay. Another one. Uh, Another one. It it started. It started with a tweet. That's what this presentation started with. A few weeks ago, when I finally realised I was speaking here, I put out a tweet to the Twitter artist saying, "What three words or phrases or or what can you get into 140 characters to tell me what you don't like about traditional?" presentations, what makes them boring, what makes them being a turn-off, what reduces the effectiveness of them. And the feedback that I got back, and I have to say, is Stephanie in the room? Stephanie? No? Stephanie came up with the idea of doing this. But I actually came up with a Wordle, which I put all of that feedback that I got through Twitter and a few other um, uh, routes as well, and I put it into a Wordle. And those were the responses. That's what people thought made PowerPoints less effective, boring, a turn-off, old-fashioned, traditional. That's what they thought. But I'm interested in you discussing what you think makes PowerPoint. Or Let me rephrase that, or let me me validate something. I'm going to use the word PowerPoint throughout this presentation. I mean any slideware software tool. It could be Keynote. It could be any of the free open source stuff. I'm going to reference PowerPoint because I'm a Windows man, so it's... It's kind of ingrained. It's in my blood with me. But please, when I say PowerPoint, I mean any sort of slideware tool. Just have a discussion on your table. 30 seconds, a minute maximum. From your perspective, what makes a bad presentation? So over to you. Just have that chat. Okay, folks, what have we come up with? Hello, folks? Has anybody come up with anything that's wildly different from the language that's used on the screen there? And there is some language on the screen there, if you look very closely. And somebody came back, and I thought, well, you know, it's your feedback. Let's get it up there. It might raise a giggle. So well done for those of you that spotted it. Any feedback from any of the tables, even if it correlates with what's on there? Open floor. Okay, yeah, so rather than reading out word for word what it's saying on there, it should complement, it should enhance it, not necessarily replicate it entirely. Yeah, I mean, I've got a... a a rum accent as it is, so um, to be perfectly honest, when I'm reading, it doesn't make it any better whatsoever. So um, that's, why I probably, that's why I've latched onto this particular method. Anything else, maybe from over the back on this side of the room? It's not PowerPoint, so it's not the tool necessarily that's, that's the problem, it's the, what, what people do with the tool what I do with the tool, it's what you do with the tool, hi Cathy. It's what anybody else does with the tool that could be the problem, not the tool itself, okay. You've got on your tables a voting handset. If you haven't, there's a few spare at the front, so please take the time to come and have a look. What I'm going to ask you to do is to, people have already started doing it, but I'm going to give you a 15-second countdown. Are you connected to the internet at this moment in time? Phone, tablet, laptop, netbook, desktop, whatever you've dragged in with you. It gives me an idea how many people are in here. Nothing else. Okay, so 60 responses. Are you connected to the internet at this moment in time? 63% of you were, 37% of you were not. Now, the final question, there's three questions. The final question might explain why that number isn't as high as it perhaps could be, particularly if you're using a smart phone and haven't brought your charger with you. Certainly not from personal experience. The reason I'm using these handsets is for two reasons. One... We're going to talk about the back channel later on today. And the back channel, I want to say, relies on you having a mobile device with you. But by God, it makes it a lot easier if you have got a mobile device with you. Um, so I want to find out basically, you know, who's likely to contribute to the back channel. But I'm also using learner response handsets as a, as a meta course way, really of saying, look, with these sorts of tools, you can bring your presentation alive. Rather than asking for a raise of hands and, let's be honest, no presenter ever counts unless it's a very small audience. Oh, Yeah. of you have raised your hands. I haven't got a clue how many have raised your hands. This captures that information. And don't get me wrong, I'm using this at the most simplest level it can be used today. It's very powerful what sits behind there. And you can run demographics off it. You can ask for all the males to press number one, all the females to press number two. All those above a certain age, I said it or below a certain age, to press another button. And all of a sudden, you've got, you can attract some quite useful trends about where likely use of, of the technology might be, or whatever you want to do back in your organisations. So, learner response handsets are a very good way of bringing alive your presentation without really doing a great deal more on, on the presenter's behalf. Let's have a look at the second question. 15 seconds. Do you use Twitter? That's interesting. I not Actually, it's not surprising. I've just realized which way they are. So, less people use Twitter in the audience than do use Twitter. That might seem surprising, considering that this is a learning and skills group and it hangs off the back of the Learning Technologies Conference. But actually, my experience, all of that of it, to be perfectly honest, by going to the e-learning network events and events such as this, it's quite surprising how many people within the learning and development failed or, or affiliated with learning and development are not using some of these online tools. I know I'm only talking about Twitter at the moment, so that's unfair to say that because you're not using Twitter, you're not using online tools. But it is quite interesting to actually see that the majority of the time, the majority of people are not using Twitter, and I am focusing on a particular tool there. So the final question, same process as before, Fastest fingers. Are you planning on tweeting during this session? Yay, nay, or I'd love to, Craig, but guess what? The old battery's gone dead. That's hasn't completely thrown a spanner in the works. In fact, it hasn't thrown a spanner in the works whatsoever because hopefully those people that are planning to contribute to the back channel will do. But what I'm going to talk to about later on is the use of the back channel means that I'm not just talking to you anymore. I'm actually talking to anybody that's following me on Twitter. So I'm following, you know, I'm actually talking to 60 people and about four people out in the real world. So, much bigger audience by using the back channel means that you can engage and open up and crowdsource ideas and feedback from a far bigger audience than you could ever, ever get into a lecture theater, no matter how big it is. So, thank you for taking the time to do that. We won't be using the voter response handsets again. What is that? A mind map. A mind map is a great way of being able to deliver a presentation. It's great because it's different, or for many people it's different. It's unusual. It's, you know, it's visual to look at. But what it also allows you to do is it also allows you as the presenter to give some control to the actual audience about where they go next. What is it that they want to look at next? If you're using an interactive whiteboard, you could actually ask people to come up and take you there. It's not an interactive whiteboard. If you haven't got an interactive whiteboard, you might be using something like a wireless mouse and actually ask people to click on where they want to go next. So it's a really good way of giving control back to the learner themselves to navigate and to move around a presentation rather than it being very linear, which even with the best will in the world, and a lot of imaginative thinking, you can get away from that in PowerPoint, but that's quite an interesting way of doing that. So let's have a look at an online mind map itself. Here's a way of getting away from bullet points. Same by map that was on the screen, but I've screen grabbed that, moved it into PowerPoint. This is the live one. This is the one that actually you could go and edit yourself now if I were to provide you the URL. So that's the one that's sitting out there. The great benefit of delivering your presentation via an online mind map, rather than the one in a PowerPoint presentation, which I've had to do, is you can then do interesting things like this. You can actually open up the mind map itself, and you can delve deeper. And deeper and dig into the layers. Many of you know how a mind map works. This allows you to do that. It also allows you to actually, rather than just talk about subjects, it actually allows you to link out, not necessarily just to a web page, but to a document if it's if it's stored online. So you can link out and you can move around from the mind map. For me, the benefit of a mind map over bullet points is it's visual. They're free and cheap to set up, so even a MindMeister account, which is the one I I used, is free to a certain level. Like most of these products now, you get a baseline product, which from my perspective is fine, or you can pay slightly more, and we're talking dollars sometimes, not even tens of dollars, to get a beefed up version. But the tool that I use there was MindMap, and it allows me to branch out and link out, but for me, the real benefit of it is the allowance that you can provide to the the audience to actually decide where they want to go next, what they want to have a look at next. Now, I'm gonna give you that control later on this afternoon. I'm gonna control it slightly at the beginning, because I need to get the foundations in place. And if you decide to have a look at the roof, before I've got the foundations built, it's all gonna go a bit shaky. So, I'm gonna control it slightly, then I'm gonna hand back over to yourself. you saw up and up on the page there, something that I linked out to, called Beyond Bullet Points. Uh, it's a imaginative title that I came up with. It's actually an imaginative title that Cliff Atkinson came up with. It's a very, very good book on getting beyond bullet points. It's American. That's not a bad thing, of course, Kathy. It's, it's, it's American. But it's published by Microsoft, so you can imagine it takes something of a, um, a familiar tint towards a certain software products rather than perhaps another software product. But I'm just going to pass this around. Feel free to have a thumb through it. Leave it on the desk once it's made its way around. That's an old version for 2003 or maybe 2003. There's a more recent one out there. Really, really good book. I've read in detail the first third of it and sort of skimmed through the remaining two thirds. Why? Because I got what I needed, really, from the first third of that publication. The remaining two thirds goes into perhaps more detail than I needed, and, and basically took me down a route that I felt slightly constrained by. The first third of the book, very, very good. So if you stick with it long enough, you might actually get through the first third of the book if you don't pass it on before the end of the session. So it saved you a few, Bob. Okay, as I said, we are, I'm going to give control over to you in a few minutes' time. You can decide where it is that we go next. But I do want to get through the beyond bullet points chunk, which is in the top right under the screen as you look at it. Reason being is, I believe it lays the foundations for where we can go next. So I'm going to give some control to you, and we're going to ask you, what do you want to have a look at? The Lessig method, 20 by 20, or the Takahashi method? The Takahashi method, okay. So let's have a look at the Takahashi method. The Takahashi method is a, it's a very simple, as often the most effective things are, presentation style that was